Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better. I tried every diet, exercise program, spa treatments, and makeup, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan-driving mom of four elementary-age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at ComparedToWho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast. Since this is our first episode, I want to spend a little time today just telling you a little bit more about me and my ministry and what we do at Compared to Who. So a lot of you might be familiar with other similar ministries, maybe Christian groups that talk about body image and comparison issues, but I believe that we're a little bit unique at Compared to Who. And so today I want to tell you more about that, and I want to just give you my testimony. You see, the truth is, friends, I am one of those people that thought I didn't have a testimony. Now, I know I've had friends correct me and say, okay, every Christian has a testimony. But honestly, I didn't think I did. You see, I was raised in a Christian home. I probably said this in our prayer before I was old enough to tie my shoes. And I was a good girl. I thought that playing by the rules is what saved me. Um, So I'm not proud of that. But I was a good girl. I didn't have this dramatic testimony of a time in my life when I was really walking away from the Lord and then how he rescued me and, and put me on a different path. I just, I felt like when I would go to church services and people would share these awesome things that God had done to transform their lives, that I didn't have anything to say. But the truth is I did. And it took until I was in my early thirties for God to show me what his rescue plan really had looked like in my life. So let me start at the beginning. Well, it's not really the beginning, but I remember being in about the third grade and I had a full-length mirror in the corner of my bedroom and I remember looking at myself in the full-length mirror. Now, it wasn't just any day. It was kind of a special day because I was wearing these pink pleather pants. Now, some of you are too young to know what pleather is, but back in the 80s, pleather uh, was the word we used for fake leather, or probably vinyl is technically what uh, the fabric is called. I think now it's called vegan leather, which sounds a whole lot more chic than pleather. Um, But I had these pink pleather pants on, and I remember I had begged my mother to buy these pants for me. And she gave in. I have no idea why. Um, But she gave in and I got those pants and I put them on and I'm standing in front of the mirror and I was supposed to just feel really awesome. And instead, I remember looking in that mirror and thinking, wow, pink pants kind of make my legs look big. And so I went to school that day and I did what a lot of girls and okay, even us women do. I looked around at the girls in my class And I started comparing the size of their legs to the size of my legs. And I made a decision. I decided that my legs really were a little bigger. And friends, what that started for me in my life was a habit of comparison and also a habit of dieting. 
a habit of hating what the bottom half of my body looked like and doing every single thing I could think of to change it. I was dieting in middle school. I remember using SlimFast. Some of you are old enough to remember when SlimFast first came out. That was about that time. Uh, By high school, I was trying this diet called See How Long You Can Go Without Eating. And what would happen is I could make it all day long at school, and no one really noticed. I was busy, so I'd just, you know, bop around, and um, no one really took notice of the fact that I wasn't eating. And then I would get home from school, you know, late afternoon, four or five o'clock, and I would be ravenously hungry. And so I would just eat everything I could find in the pantry, just shovel it in, right? Starving, hungry. And then I'd go ahead and eat dinner regularly with my family because in my mind, I had already, quote unquote, blown it for the day. So I might as well just eat. And then I'd go to bed and I would just feel guilt. I would feel bad because I ate. I mean, it it sounds ridiculous to say it out loud, but I know I'm not the only one who's ever thought or felt that way. Maybe you've had those thoughts too, but I just felt like I had failed. I didn't have any self-control and I would kind of beat myself up and then I would make a resolution. Okay, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to do better. Tomorrow I'm going to make it all day without eating. And sure enough, the same cycle would happen over and over again, although some days I'd make it. (laughs) You know, it was one of those things where looking back on it now at that time in my life, and this was the early 1990s, there wasn't really an eating disorder category for people like me who thought and worried about food a lot. You see, I wasn't anorexic. I mean, I did lose some weight before I started college, but I never, never got really thin. And then college helped me gain weight rather quickly. You know, I'm an overachiever, so freshman 15 was nothing for me. I did that in the first two or three weeks. Um, but I probably gained more like the freshman 40. And so in college, I continued my disordered eating. And what that looked like for me was going to school and eating and, you know, all the social activities and, and ways that you eat when you're away at college. And then I would go home and I would try to diet or even fast to try to balance it out. And so, like I said, there wasn't a category for people like me, but now I know that I had something called EDNOS, eating disorder not otherwise specified. And boy, I wish I had known that then, friends. I really wish that I had known that this was an eating disorder and not just a normal girl problem because that's what I thought it was. So I lost my period my sophomore year of college for uh, about nine months, and I didn't even know to connect it to my disordered eating habits. I really thought at the time it was just the stress of being at school. I also want to say that I um, I didn't fall in the bulimia category because I couldn't throw up. But that's not because I didn't want to. I tried. I tried several times, but I just couldn't do it. I felt like a failure because I couldn't even do that. My body image consumed my thoughts 24-7. I was always thinking about what diet I could go on, what else I could do to change the way I looked. But here's the thing. You wouldn't have known that about me. In fact, my friends who have read my book and my testimony in my book, my college roommates that have read it, are like surprised (laughs) because they had no idea. It's not something I talked about with anyone or to anyone. I mean, I talked about dieting and I talked about losing weight because all girls talked about that stuff. But I never really shared the depths of my struggle. And what I really never shared was how much the struggle consumed me. 
Part of the reason I never shared that, you guys, was because I just thought it was normal. I thought every person I knew struggled the same way I did. And I thought just because I was born female, part of being female was just having these thoughts run through your head all day long of how you could look better. But boy, was I wrong. I didn't find that out for decades later, though. So I got out of college and I moved to Washington, D.C. I worked in politics, you guys. Please don't hate me for that. But I had the opportunity to work on Capitol Hill and I loved it. Well, I didn't love the work part, but I loved being in such an exciting city and being around all these powerful people and running into people that I saw on the news, like literally running into them because I'm kind of a klutz. And I remember getting off the elevator and like face planning into Newt Gingrich's tie one day. Um, and some of you are going to have to Google who Newt Gingrich is and that's okay. But um, I, I loved being in that city and what should have been a really incredible time in my life of just enjoying my first job was actually a time where I just felt really bad about myself. I started going on more formal diets. Uh, I was finally old enough to pay for diet stuff. So I um, paid for Weight Watchers and started riding the Metro over to Weight Watchers meetings and really watching what I was eating to try to lose weight because I just knew that if I could get thin, then I would have everything I wanted in life. Now, don't take that materialistically because that's not how I meant it at all. Really, I just believed that if I could be thin, then I would have a boyfriend and then people would like me and I would have more friends. And, and I just had this whole image set up in my head that if I looked like this certain image, then my life would be different. And so I spent a lot of time trying to make myself into that image. Only it just didn't work that smoothly. But I will say, a year I lived in Washington, D.C., I lived right on Capitol Hill, and that was the year that I discovered exercise. So they opened a gym right around the corner from my house, a Washington sports club, if you live in that area. It was a brand new club, and they offered this gym membership for people who worked on Capitol Hill like I did, and it was super cheap. But there was a reason it was super cheap. It was super cheap because you could only work out after 9 o'clock at night. So at 9 o'clock every night, I would run around the corner to the gym. Now, I didn't run around the corner for extra exercise. I ran around the corner, y'all, because it was Washington, D.C., and it was dark outside, and it was scary. So I had to run just to protect myself. But I would run to that gym, and I would see these people in the gym with their um, headsets on or with personal trainer written on their shirt or whatever. And I'd look at those people that worked at the gym and I would think to myself, wow, if I could just be like one of those people, then I would be free. And I would look at them and I would think they must not struggle with thinking about how they look all day long. They must not be overly worried about how they look. They must feel Free is really the word I would have used. They must feel peaceful, happy, joyful because they have those bodies. And so I made a vow to myself at that point that someday I would become a fitness instructor because quite frankly, friends, I thought that if I could become a fitness instructor, then I would feel free too. I'll fast forward in my story just a little bit and let you in on a secret. It didn't work that way. In fact, it took me about eight years to become a fitness instructor after I first made that vow to myself. That test was hard, y'all. You should give your aerobics instructors props because <laughs> I failed it the first time. Uh, that's embarrassing to admit. But I 
pass the test. I had my fitness instructor credentials. I got a job teaching kickboxing. And my first kickboxing class, you guys, I remember standing in front of the class and looking around and mentally thinking, wow, that woman's in better shape than I am. Wow, that woman over there should actually be teaching. She's more qualified than I am. And still comparing myself to other women and being frustrated because I wasn't free like I thought I was going to be. So I'll take it back. I'm in my 20s and I'm still struggling with my body image. And I had this epiphany. I thought, you know, the reason why I struggle with my body image is because I am single. I was a single woman all through my 20s, you guys. And you should know that in college, like really, I wanted a degree. I I had career aspirations, but I really wanted an MRS degree. Like I would have been happy just to get married right out of college and have it done, but I barely dated. Okay. So for me, um, to be single all through my twenties was, was hard. And I thought that that may be an underlying part of my body image issues. I thought, you know what? If I just had a man to affirm that I'm good enough, if I just had a man who wanted to marry me, then I wouldn't struggle with my body anymore. Then I would know that I was good enough. And so when I was 30 years old, I met my husband and we met on eHarmony, y'all. So insert your comment here. (laughs) But we, um, hit it off pretty quickly. And at age 31, we got married. I remember vividly waking up the morning after our wedding and looking at myself in the mirror. And, you know, my hair was kind of crazy because it had had like 8,000 bobby pins in it the day before. And I don't know that I had done a great job of getting all of my makeup off from the wedding because there was a lot of it. And then also I didn't know if I wanted my brand new husband to see me without any of the makeup on. So I think I tried the, you know, let's sleep with a little bit of makeup on thing. And so I remember waking up before he did and sitting up in bed. We were in an old hotel in downtown Washington, D.C. And I remember looking in that mirror at myself and thinking, wow, I'm married, but wow, I don't feel any different. And friends, like I've written about this on my blog, but I almost ruined our honeymoon because I was so obsessive over my body image and whether or not I was good enough for my husband and whether or not he thought I was good enough. And and all this to say that I learned at age 31 that marriage doesn't fix body image issues. So I hate to break it to you, friend. If you are single, you need to know that getting a husband won't fix it for you. I'm sorry. I know there's hope there, but it's just not going to happen. Fix your body image issues before you get married if you're single. And if you're a married woman and you're angry with your husband because he hasn't fixed your body image issues or you think that your body image issues are his fault, oh friend, let that go. Let that go. Um, Just release it right now. Let him off the hook because you and only you with the help of Jesus can fix this stuff. So uh, marriage didn't work. Becoming a fitness instructor didn't work. So there was one thing that I hadn't tried and it had been a lifelong goal of mine and that was becoming a mom. And I thought, you know what, if I could just become a mom, then I bet my body image would be different. Not because I thought it was going to look hotter after I became a mom. Like I was realistic about that, but I really believed that once I was a mom, I would have so many more important things to think about that I wouldn't have the same mental capacity to worry about my body image like I had for years and years and really decades. And so I got pregnant. In fact, we got pregnant about three or four 
four months after we got married. And let me tell you what, I loved not being able to diet. That was free at last, kind of, <laughs> for me. I was excited to not be on a diet. In fact, I was so excited to not be on a diet. I used to indulge in those, um, I think they were called moist delights. Uh, they were cakes that you put a little water in, you stuck them in the microwave. I think they were supposed to feed two or three, and I would, you know, eat one all by myself, of course, because I was eating for two, right? Um, but I, um, being pregnant was so hard, you guys gaining weight and not being able to do anything about it. And the mixed feelings of knowing I should be happy about gaining weight, knowing I should be happy about growing a healthy baby inside of me. And then also just worrying about my weight and did I look good enough? And you know, would I ever lose the weight again? And all of those struggles that come along with weight gain during pregnancy. So long story short, being pregnant, becoming a mom did not solve my body image struggles. So my husband and I have four kids, like I said in the introduction, and we had those four kids in the course of four and a half years. Yes, we were busy. Uh, in fact, I think our strategy is called have them so fast that you can't think about what you're actually doing. I mean, we had three three in diapers and one in pull-ups at one point, I think. So um, when we finally got everyone out of diapers, we thought we could buy a new car. We didn't. But um, that's that's how much money we were spending on diapers every month. We had more babies. And so I breastfed and I was either breastfeeding or pregnant for the next five years after my first child was born. And that wasn't an awesome time for my body image either. Those of you who have uh, had babies and breastfed may understand what I'm talking about more clearly. But I struggled. And the strange thing is, though, that was the time in my life when God decided to show me his rescue plan. And so God really showed up on this issue in my life uh, right after my fourth child was born. And God started to reveal something to me about the issue that I had never seen before. And I'll tell you just what it was that he revealed to me when we come back after this quick break. Body image been bogging you down for too long. It's time to get free, my friend. Go to comparejahoo.me. Take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparejahoo.me. There's lots of great resources on that site articles about body image and comparison, and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today. Right after this episode, of course. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. 
God started to reveal to me that my body image issues had a spiritual root. Now, see, this was a big newsflash for me, you all, because I really believed that my body image issues were external problems. I thought if I could just change the way I looked, then my body image issues would go away. Now, the funny thing about that is I had changed the way I looked. In fact, I looked a lot different by the time I got married than I'd had in my early 20s. I lost the weight. I was a fitness instructor, so I was in really good shape. I was wearing a size at my wedding that I don't even think I wore in high school. It was so low. But it didn't work. It didn't fix it. Yet I still refused to believe it. And you see, that's the lie that beauty tells us. Beauty tells us you just need one more thing. And for me, beauty told me if you would just lose the weight and get to this size, then you would feel free. But the truth that I chose to ignore was I had lost the weight and I had gotten to that size and I still didn't feel free. I still thought there was something else I needed to do. I needed to tone my arms better. I needed to get my hair less frizzy and a better color. I needed a bigger chest. I needed curves in different places. Beauty always has one more thing on her to-do list and we chase it, right? At least I did. I don't know. Maybe you've had that experience too, where you thought you were doing okay and beauty came in and said, you know what? You're doing all right, but if you'd fix this, then you'd look so much better. And it keeps us on this treadmill. It's a rat race really, but it's a treadmill that never stops. And that's the treadmill I was on. And God showed me that instead of trying to fix it by fixing my body, I needed to fix the issue in my heart. Now, for some of you, you're like, okay, that sounds all Christian and spiritual and stuff, but what does that really mean? Well, friends, that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast. And that's what I talk about in my book called Compared to Who. You can get it on Amazon, ChristianBook.com, Lifeway Store, solve it. Um, but I talk about it on my blog. I talk about it in my book. And that's what we're going to talk about in this podcast too. What does it mean to fix our body image issues in our heart? So as I'm recording this, there's a lot of hubbubaloo in the Christian blogosphere about a book called Girl, Wash Your Face. And here's what I want you to know about Compared to Who. It's different than Girl, Wash Your Face. And here's how. Rachel Hollis has a different idea of what freedom looks like than I do. And I would argue that her idea leaves out a lot of key things from the gospel of Jesus Christ that we here at Compared to Who try to make sure we leave in. But first and and foremost, really, my goal for you to find freedom from body image struggles or comparison struggles is not for you to fall in love with your body. Now, I know that might sound crazy. That's probably what you've heard a lot of other places, even Christian places, but I don't want you to fall in love with your body. Okay. Here's the truth. I am completely free in my body image struggles. I have a different kind of freedom than I ever thought possible. And it's amazing, but I don't love my body. There are still things about my body that I don't like. I don't particularly like my thighs. And I'm not sure there's anything that can be done to change that. There's other things too. But I can still be free. I don't have to take pride in my body in order to find freedom. And in fact, I get a little queasy in my stomach when I hear so-called Christians tell us that pride is the way out of body image issues. You see, as I read my Bible, I find pride to be a sin. I think 
more self-focus, more body love, more self-love actually takes us down a path that keeps us trapped in body image woe much longer than we need to be. You see, the more I think about myself, the more I worry about my body image. The way that I found to be free is to take my focus off of myself. And so that's what we're going to talk about in the episodes to come. And I can't wait for you to hear them. I hope you'll join us. We're going to talk about body image idolatry. And that's what episodes two is going to be about what body image idolatry means. If you're like me, that's a term that was completely unfamiliar to me just seven or eight years ago. And we'll just dig into what that means. And I'll give you some questions to ask yourself to see if that's something that maybe you struggle with. And then I'll tell you the way out of it because there is a cure. You see, the most fantastic news, you guys, is that although body image issues are normal issues, there's a lot of women around the world. In fact, according to some studies, over 99% of women who struggle with their body image. But just because they're normal issues doesn't mean that they have to be issues that we keep with us for the rest of our lives. You see, something can be normal right? But, but we can also find freedom because the word promises us that, right? God's word promises us that through Christ, we can be free. So just because there are regular ways that we all struggle as females, it doesn't mean that that's an area that we have to stay in bondage in. And that's what we're going to discuss. So at the end of every show, I want to tackle a reader question. And today I'm going to tackle a very simple kind of fluffy one, but it's one that I want to establish right from the get-go. So you guys don't write me emails telling me um, about this. And that question is, why is your ministry called compared to who instead of compared to whom? Friends, if I had a nickel for every email I've gotten from someone saying it should be compared to whom. Okay, I get it. I know grammar. I have a couple degrees. I uh, have written a book. I do know that it should be compared to whom. But here's the truth, friends. Compared to whom sounded kind of stuffy, don't you think? Compared to whom? I mean, no one really speaks like that anymore, except for Mary Poppins. Um, and I do love Mary Poppins. I'm a huge fan. But I just didn't think it sounded relatable and authentic enough. And I wanted my ministry name and my book name, my blog name, to be something relatable. So that's why compared to who, all of you grammar fanatics, don't send me emails. I do know it should be compared to whom. And I'll take a one more question this week, too. And that is, how is compared to who different? And I've already touched on this a little bit, but compared to who is different because Every answer I give you, I want it to lead you back to Jesus. I never want to give you answers that lead you to a place where you're trying to fix yourself. Because here's the truth that I've found, friends. We can't fix ourselves. We can write our lists of ways that we want to improve or things that we can do to improve ourselves. And all of that's fine and good to a certain point. But it's a trap. The only way we change, the only way we truly find freedom is through Jesus Christ and through allowing him to change us. And I hope that's where this ministry, this podcast compared to who will lead you every single episode. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you'll join us for the next episode. You can just keep it playing and we'll talk about body image idolatry. I'll catch you there. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah. 
It's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.